Thank you for choosing the Dr. Whisperer podcast to listen to. August is National Wellness Month. And if you know me, you know I'm not just going to be focusing on physical. It's all about our mental wellness. So we also really appreciate your feedback here about the show. If you have any thoughts or suggestions or questions, we want to hear from you. So if you're listening on Anchor or Spotify or Apple, click the voice message link in the show notes. Of course, if you prefer to send us an email, you could do so at 13th Avenue Media at gmail.com. Because you know, this podcast is powered by 13th Avenue Media. So don't forget to subscribe. And certainly we'd love a review if you're enjoying it and pass it on to your friends. It's all about passing it on. Thanks for listening. and welcome to the Dr. Whisperer Show. If you've noticed, we are doing a takeover today. My name is Lisa Campos and I'll be your host today on this podcast. And I'm going to turn the tables on Sharon Peckley. And she is going to be answering our questions today. She's got um, a big anniversary coming up this month is the 26 years of sobriety. It's also the one year anniversary of her becoming a published author. Um, her first book, um, The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business, came out, if you don't remember, last August. A sweet gift uh, to her mom coincided with her birthday. But more importantly, it really helped her mark this milestone of 25 years of sobriety. Um, congratulations, Sharon. What has this past year been like since you released that book? Well, thank you so much for doing this takeover. This is it's actually blissful to not have to run everything and ask any questions. So thank you for doing this. Um, it has been um, life altering, actually. I mean, I will say uh, last year when the book came out, when anybody asked me how it felt, it was cathartic. And now it's really um, life altering because I've learned so much more about even what my depression was about. Um, it was linked a lot to trauma. And I really never had that voice before because, um, you know, I've, I've read a lot more books and I've been led, I've been listening to those whispers and I've been led to go on this journey of really seeking out the why, the why to, I could be somebody that could stop drinking and stop using drugs and stop using antidepressants and go on a journey of continuous sobriety and, and have this unbelievable life today my personal life, my business life, and, and how I can offer hope to somebody else. So it's been, it's been an incredible year during an incredible time that we're in right now. During a crazy time. Yes. But, you know, I, I dare to say that what we're going through now um, is um, just as crazy as some of the things that you lived through mm -hmm. when you were um, addicted uh, to alcohol and drugs and really living an unhealthy lifestyle so young. Mm -hmm. um, for the person that's not familiar with your story, um, can you give us the, uh, the elevator speech, so to speak, your, you know, 30 seconds, yeah. to, to let them know just how bad it was. Because when they see you, um, mm -hmm. you know, well put together, you are an author, a public speaker, you run two businesses that are yours. Um, it's hard for a lot of people to believe, like, how bad could it have been? She's so put together. 
Yeah, thank it you. It was bad. Yeah, well, it is a miracle. I got sober at 21, um, so I will, I know how to do the fast version of this because I've spoken about it so many times. Um, by the time I was 18, I was in my first rehab. 19, I was in my second, mandated by the court. I had spent a night in jail. Um, uh, thank goodness mom and dad got me a great lawyer, Stuart Sirota, we'll never forget him. And um, of course, I was not ready, I was so young. I did not, everybody else thought I had a problem, but I certainly didn't. And um, from the age of 19 to 21, I spent a few years in a, a real long blackout. I blacked out and I moved to Detroit, Michigan and I stayed there, mm -hmm. and my family didn't know where I was, and I was involved in very abusive relationships, and a lot of traumatic things happened to me while I was away, and then when I came home, you know, I was just uh, completely uh, depressed and lost, so um, it's, it's, you know, 26 years later, and if it wasn't for the grace of God and my family and a lot of people helping me out, there's, there's certainly no way I'd be even talking to you today. Mm -hmm. So it's never far from my mind what happened. Um, I have a, a daily reprieve every single day to not drink or not drug and not suffer from depression. But um, it, took, it took a lot. It took a lot of work, a lot of work to get where I am today. And I, I mostly want to point out the fact I would have never spoken about this had I not been... 25 years sober before I wrote the book because I think there's a lot of people that give out information without, you know, with the thing about alcoholism and addiction is that you could be sober five years, you could be sober 10 years, and you could still be a very toxic person, which I was, in fact, for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's taken a lot of mistakes and a lot of you know, uh, love around me and um, a lot of listening to the whispers and, and having the crane pick me up and put me in different situations. So it, it certainly was not um, an easy journey, but my family never gave up on me. That's for sure. So there are two words that stick out um, in my mind as you, as you speak. You talked about a crane and you talked about the work. Yeah. Uh, for you, the work was that 12-step program that you did. And you're still, you know, a firm believer in and you talked about the crane um if if you are watching this podcast and you haven't um you at home or at work or watching this podcast and haven't read the book you should <laughs> but if you have it you should take a closer look at the picture and in the distance you can see a crane and it and i always wondered why did sharon put a crane on the cover of this book but the cranes in your life it's very symbolic. Explain to, to the folks watching, you know, that, that whole concept of the crane and how we all need that. Yeah, well, I, I truly, and I have two cranes in the distance. I have a little crane obsession that, you know, a lot of people don't know about or don't understand. Um, and I've always done this with my hand every time I even tell my story in my 12-step recovery. I'm like, this picked me up and dropped me off. Never been on a crane. I've never operated a crane. I, I should probably try to, I do. to change that. We do have to change. I have to get some pictures on a crane. But um, you know, when I came back to New York after being in Michigan for those years, you know, it I truly felt like even though it was a Greyhound bus that I came back in, 
I felt like it was this big crane just bringing me back and dropping me back off into the safety of my parents' home. And, and then I was picked up and dropped off at Ben Figueres' office, my father's EAP counselor at New York Hospital. I'd been to a tremendous amount of therapists and rehabs and um, inpatient, outpatient. And I believe that, you know, my dad was working at New York Hospital and he told me about Ben Figueres and I thought, okay. And I think that that crane picked me up again, dropped me off in his office and and then I was dropped off into the, the program of recovery, you know, and, um, and then that crane decided to pick me up again. I was in a very toxic relationship when I was 10 years sober. That's why I mentioned before, it takes a long time to get all of the damage that you have done to yourself out of your system. It takes a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection, a lot of amends a lot of honesty, a lot, just a tremendous amount of, um, of change that you, you have to completely change yourself, right? I mean, yeah. most people have a hard time changing one habit. You have to completely change your whole um, way of thinking and way of acting in life. So, so then that crane picked me up from New York and, and dropped me off in Florida. And I spent two years here alone with nobody and landed in a great job and picked me up and Dropped me off with Rob Feckety, my husband, and my stepson, Cooper. Stepson. Yeah. Very proud of it. Yeah. yeah. So the crane has been a, a huge, you know, it's just my symbol for God. You can call it whatever you want. A, a source, a higher power, doesn't matter. To me, it's always been that crane because I do believe we are lifted out of darkness a lot of times and, and placed into, and sometimes we don't know at the time, right? Yeah. And we have no idea that that darkness was there for a reason to bring us out into the light. Um, and I just feel like every time I needed that, even in jobs, you know, my, my last job before I opened my first business, I believe I was picked up and dropped off and, and almost that maneuver is that faith that you have to have you know, in, um, in that source that, that he knows or she knows a little bit better than you might. And as you're moving or being moved, you know, from point A to point B by these different cranes in your life, whether it's your 12-step program or whether it's a mentor or um, a professional, a counselor, um, you know, there's a lot of hard work that's involved. Mm -hmm. And there's always a risk of going back, backstep, right? And you've talked about how that 12-step program was, was what made it possible for you to keep going forward. Yeah. Explain that, share that with, with folks lots of time. So, you know, I went in kicking and screaming like most people do <laughs> into any place that everybody says is going to help you. Help me, hi. <laughs> yeah, you know, and here I was, imagine I was 21 years old, and there's not many 21-year-olds that want to get sober. And usually, you know, a lot more damage has to happen, but plenty had happened already. And um, the drugs in my life certainly sped up that process with me getting into this recovery program. And, you know, it doesn't need... And the truth is, Lisette, it doesn't even matter if you end up in a 12-step recovery program. If you if you don't actually apply the work and right. go to go, um, there's, there's actual real work that needs to be done. There's actually a real solution. We call it a design for living. And, um, 
and it's a, an anonymous program. And it's even when I wrote the book, it wasn't something people that I've been friends with for years were excited about me talking about because there's a lot of principles that go on behind the 12 steps of, of recovery. And we have to protect it because you might see a celebrity start talking about how they went to a 12 step recovery program and then they're drunk or in jail. And then people think that it doesn't work. It's actually never, it doesn't work. It's actually the human. You didn't work. Right. Right. But that said, I want to make sure that I, I drive this point home. I don't care if you pray to a chair. <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't even matter what you do. If you d join a monastery, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that you have to do to change everything about you, it doesn't have to be that 12-step recovery program, but it has worked for like millions of people for over 80 years now. And why would you say it does work? How does it help you change your mindset, not just about stuff that's going on around you, but about who you believe you are? So many things. Um, I would say the first part of, of the work is just finding your people, finding people that identify with you, mm -hmm. finding a place where you're just constantly going, yeah, me too. I felt that way. Uh, oh my God, I thought I was alone. I, I, I never would have ever said those things that I've done because I'd be afraid of being judged. And you're in a safe place where, I mean, you don't even have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's free, you know, just put a dollar in the basket. But there's also this great, um, I could call any one of the, the friends that I have made over the last 26 years in the middle of the night and I know that they would be there. Mm -hmm. I don't have to talk to them for years. Now I have friends like that outside of the program too. But these people know me, you know, like my Cynthia that's been my mentor over the last 25 years I think we've been together. Um, she knows my whole life. So with that said, you have to have somebody that that can actually see your, um, your process and, and be able to point out the patterns that led you maybe to making those mistakes or toxic behaviors that you were getting involved in that might lead you back to a drink or a drug. And the, there's actually a real program that you can go through that's only 164 pages. You know, it's not that big of a deal, but I've never in all the years that I've been sober and I still go and uh -huh. I need um, a meeting as well on Saturdays um, because of the pandemic, because there's a lot of people suffering right now. Um, I've, I've, I've never stopped going because I never want to forget where I came from. Yeah. So I've watched too many people die. And that's something that I know you're, you're very passionate about when you published this book in August of last year. Um, I, don't, I know you didn't set out to, to write this one plus another one plus another one, um, but something happened um, after the book was published and people started reading it. Um, you were surprised by the reaction, how many people came to you and um, would whisper mm. um, in a whisper to you, tell you. Yeah. for talking about mental health. Um, why, why do you think it's such a big problem for us to, to talk about something that's affecting so many of us? You know, there's a lot of shame around uh, mental health and especially, you know, one of the biggest reasons that I wrote the book was because of the businesses that I'm in 
and, and I see all of the leaders today going through stuff in their personal life and then, you know, having to show up and, you know, present and lead. And it's very difficult to lead anything if you are tortured mentally by whatever it is that's going on in your life. It doesn't even have to be alcoholism or addiction, but there's, there's a tremendous amount of, of I'm afraid of what you will think of me. If I share with you mm-hmm. that I'm getting divorced, that uh, my son's addicted to drugs, that my mother is an alcoholic. So obviously when, when that is the case, people just don't talk about it. And then it festers and it's a sickness and, um, and community is like the absolute greatest resource. We have to be able to be um, open and free to to talk to somebody else. The person person who's listening to the podcast may be wondering, well, what kind of people is Sharon talking about? You know, these are Sharon's clients who are in the health profession, who are, you know, by way of your marketing company. These are professionals who are running different kinds of businesses who seemingly have it all together. And, um, and so if you don't talk about it, you've said many times in your public speaking engagements and in the book, if you don't talk about it, it's never going to get better. Never. It's also never yeah. It's also never going to get better if we don't call it what it is. You know, it was purposeful when I said the broken road to mental health. I've had many people take my book and then turn it over. <laughs> Cause they're, they don't want anybody to see that they're reading a book about mental health. Yeah. Like what do you, what do you think? There's something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. No, I actually have never met anybody in my entire life that doesn't have some type of a mental health issue. It's just that it's such a, you know, it's like being called a stepmom. Doesn't have a great connotation, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's really tough, you yeah. know. So mental health is is what it is, and and we're all striving to just be a little bit better, but we have to call it what it is, and it's okay. And believe you me, when I would go into these medical practices and I would meet people for the first time and I would ask them just a few simple questions and these people didn't know who I was, but I cared enough to ask them these questions, they would be crying to me in the first 10 minutes of meeting. There's something really, really wrong when that's happening. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs support, especially in the business world. So if people don't feel safe, they're going to get sick and they're, they're probably going to leave because of the toxicity that's being passed down from leadership. What, what advice do you give to uh, employers who are in the process of knowing whether or not to bring back their staff, bring back their team members? Um, not everybody may be ready to come back, and some people are ready, but they're, they're, they're you know, on the other side of months and months of concerns, isolation, changes in their finances, maybe a partner who's no longer working or they haven't been working. Um, There's a lot of anxiety and stress that's been going on. What are some of the warning signs you think that that they should be on the lookout for and what do they do if they recognize someone in the the person that they work with? Well, you know, I don't really think that anybody needs to wait for a warning sign. I think that everybody, it, if, if it is spoken about freely by the leaders mm-hmm. and the managers, people will feel comfortable. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. 
They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. Coming to you and saying, hey, you know what? I'm having a hard time today. And um, I could really use a mental health day off or, um, you know, what is it that I could do? Do we have any resources? You know, uh, I've learned over the years that many people do not have the luxury that my family did with having an EAP on site. Um, Not every company, especially small businesses, can afford, but there's so many resources today like talk therapy and um, there's apps that people could use. But if if the conversation isn't started, if you're not through this pandemic, right, if you are not introducing the level of anxiety and stress, which is what everybody's calling it. Yeah. Actually, you know, just another mental health issue. Then people are not going to speak about it Mm -hmm. and it's going to continue. So it really does. It takes a very strong leader. And I don't believe um, many leaders are informed about just what goes on with somebody, even that suffers from addiction or alcoholism. There's an entire chapter in the book um, that I'm referring to where all that work is, that's two employers. And that chapter tells you step-by-step step what you could actually do for somebody. Mm-hmm. There's a special days of the week that you actually shouldn't terminate somebody. There's a lot to, to think about as an employer. And I was very grateful to have been somebody that was aware and in recovery before leading these businesses and then of my own because um, I, I start off on the right foot with, with my people. We do mental health check-ins all the time. Yeah. How are you doing? Right. The EAP is something that businesses have, mm-hmm. um, but even, some, even, even in some businesses where they do have this service available to their employees, counseling for free, the employees may not know about it. Um, you, you, you told me that you've had a couple of um, different visits and different events where you've spoken and the company had EAP but some of the people in the room didn't know that that was available to them. Sure, I mean, it's always, for me, it's always going to go back to the leadership. So even if somebody wants to blame the manager or the HR rep, it's always going to be the owner of the business, the CEO that is um, responsible for making sure that this information is made available and spoken about often. This isn't something that you give somebody a handbook and say, here are your benefits, because we know all, all employees know that the first thing they want to see is how much time off they get. Yeah. What are what the paid holidays? Okay. Done. Paid holidays, that's right. But it is really important that, you know, the mental health is, is discussed. Yeah. There's mental health benefits. And, you know, I just talked to a teacher. I interviewed her the other day. And we talked about mental health with teachers and going back to school. Yeah. And I asked her about, you know, the benefits. And she said that they have them. It's not talked about that much, but they're there and they're available. And I've certainly, um, I think my, my journalism folks would say, what, what, how can you say EAP several times without explaining it first? Um, 
for those of you who are listening in, EAP, of course, is the Employee Assistance Program that's offered by uh, many businesses as part of your benefits as an employee. That includes mental health counseling. Um, it's, it's private. You can go face-to-face. -face, and thankfully now, COVID has uh, opened the door to so much telemedicine, which is great. Uh, you can do the telehealth uh, counseling from the privacy of your home. Um, and you don't pay a single dime, but it's information and it's a session or sessions that can really help you whatever it is that you're going through. Um, you know, Sharon, I know that as you get ready to, um, I know you've already started on the next, the companion book to The Broken Road to Mental Health. Um, and you've done it because you want to kind of honor all the people who have come up to you and shared more with you. Since the first book was published, um, you say you've learned quite a bit. Yeah, well, you know, when you release a book like that and you get messages and letters and phone calls and I mean, long and short and, and, and people I never met before were reaching out to me, people I went to high school with that I, you know, I haven't even thought of in years that have since gotten married and has had a child that has died by suicide and they read my book and you know everybody needs help and and most people feel comfortable talking to somebody that has really been through it it can be very difficult although this the EAP counselors are so wonderful and therapists are I highly recommend therapy all the time. I think that if you're not going to therapy, actually, there might be something wrong with you. Um, I think that we should all be, our egos should not be telling us that we actually know the answers to everything. You know, we might want to run some of this stuff uh, by a professional. So, yeah, I mean, all of these people that were reaching out just, um, you know, it just made me think of, of so many lives that have been lost that, nobody really understands why they left the earth. You know, it's, it was almost a, a very morbid thing that I used to say to my mom, because she has um, a friend in her life that has lost two children to suicide. Mm. And um, I understood why they would do it. That's a very morbid thing to say. But the truth is when you are in such a, a dark place of depression and I know I've veered off a little bit, but I think it's important to, to say that sometimes you just don't think that there's any way out. You just don't think that, and if there was somebody that had told me all those days in my room where I kept the blinds closed and I didn't think the sun was ever going to shine again, somebody had said, one, you know, you will make it through this. I've been there too. Let me guide you. You know, um, I mean, it just would have, I would have paid whatever I had to for that because you just don't think you're going to ever recover. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have been lost uh, too soon. And um, there's a lot of, you know, when somebody leaves, whether it's an overdose or a suicide or just somebody is addicted and still drinking and they have a family and people say to me all the time, why does he do this? He has such a beautiful wife and beautiful children. You know, it actually has nothing to do with that. You know, it's a disease, it's a sickness, and um, and we need to we need to take care of our people. We need to take care of our community. Um, just like you know, somebody that has cancer, uh, mental health, mental illness, um, addiction. Look at all the opioid overdoses. You know, it's opioid 
uh, awareness day on Sunday, who knew? I mean, now all of these days that I know about, I'm so grateful because we all now have an opportunity to speak about it more so people don't feel so alone. You know, you're not alone. And you've been really, you've been brave enough to talk about, you know, the fact that folks, sometimes they have the best of intentions mm -hmm. and they say, you know, if they only loved themselves enough, if they only, you know, realized what could have happened, how that would impact their children or their family, you know, they just didn't love enough, right? And that's why they did it. It's so selfish and all these things. And you've been one of the few people who've talked about that it's not about love, that this is a sickness. And so just like we would not expect a cancer patient to talk themselves out of cancer, we shouldn't expect someone to talk themselves out of a mental health problem. Yeah. I mean, it's heartbreaking. You know, when, I, when people talk so ill of even homeless or I'm or get a job, why can't you just get a job? And, and maybe they're, they're on the streets or whatever it is. I mean, I see me in them. I see every person that I see suffering today, I see me. That's shocking, shocking. That's never left me, not 26 years later. I'm still, every time I see somebody, I think, you know, it's just, it's just God's grace that I was um, lifted out of that. And I still can't believe that it happened. And I'll tell you who really can't believe it. It's mom and dad, mm -hmm. no, because it wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to be dead. When your parents get the phone call six or seven times that your, your daughter's you know, wallet has been found in a dumpster in Detroit, Michigan, you know, you're lighting up candles from Ireland to New York. Oh, yeah. but, but it reached me, you know? It, it worked it, and um and not not everybody has that too you know it's sometimes that's that's the saddest part that not everybody has that um that family that will love them back to health yeah as you as you move forward with you know this, this next phase this next iteration of your book the companion book um i know that there are still some pieces of that first book that are hard for your parents to read when you describe being in a, a crack house, when you describe being, you know, seconds away from death, um, you know, as you go out in the community and you talk to different companies and you talk to employees and you talk to people and groups about mental health and the importance of having these conversations, um, what is it that you, um, you want people to understand the most about mental health? mostly that they're not alone. You know, there's a reason that that Me Too movement worked. Because you're not alone. Every time you, you might think that you've done the worst thing in the world, and, and believe me, there are thousands of people out there that have done a lot worse and made it. Um, I think that adversity, too, is, is the best thing in the world. It's the best thing that ever happened to me, as crazy as it sounds, you know, me blacking out and moving to Detroit, Michigan was the best thing that ever happened to me. There are so many things that were the best thing that ever happened to me. Me almost dying because I don't take life for granted today. You know, we talked before. I mean, this, I felt like I was built for this pandemic. Yeah. I'm, I'm already grateful for every breath I get to take. 
You know, I think it's great that we're all, uh, and as a globe, going through something together that has been very, very difficult because that adversity is going to make us all stronger or, or not. <laughs> yeah. um, so, did I answer your question? Yes, you did in your sharing way. <laughs> so on September the 10th, that is World Suicide Prevention Day. Yes. We're going to be hosting a Zoom event, the Broken Road to Mental Health. Um, how, how can we be a part of that? It starts at 5.30 p.m. goes yes. to 7 p.m. What yeah. can we expect for those of us who are going to be tuned? So I have a whole bunch of tips. You know, I think first it's very important that I share a little piece of what has happened to me because I want the identification from others so they know that they're not alone. And then some of the things that I've been able to do to maintain um, the lifestyle that I live today. It's a lot of work still to this day for me to stay mentally well. And I have um, discipline and I have a routine that I follow that I don't veer from much. Um, and, you know, it's free and everybody can join via Zoom. There's an opportunity, of course, to, to get a book um, and, and learn about the next book that is coming. But I think that today we, we all need to just be there and support each other um, and, and understand that there's a ton of resources out there. Um, and you don't have to, you know, spend a lot of money and send your kid off to a rehab. You know, just ask my parents. <laughs> All the information is on your Facebook page, yes. Road to Mental Health. So you can click on there and you all can get, the link will be sent to you. Um, and so that again is on September the 10th, Thursday night, 5.30 to 7 p.m. to coincide with World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, you know, do you have any more speaking engagements? You have, um, how can folks who are watching this who have a business and, and they're, they're suddenly realizing, well, you know, maybe this would be a good topic for me to have a guest speaker, to have someone talk to my team about mental health and, and yeah. how, how can they um, get in touch with you so that you can maybe do that, bring the message to them. Well, I'll be going on your friend Jack Harris's show tomorrow morning to talk about mental health. Um, and yes, I mean, I had just started the kind of corporate tour before this pandemic broke yeah the last um of, yeah franklin templeton was the last one that i spoke at in march so um and it, it was so well received i have to say that just being able to have conversations and allow people to ask me questions at the end was fantastic i love you know being able to open their eyes up to what they might not know there's a lot of vulnerability so it's really wonderful but yes i mean i love doing the speaking events but especially i would say in, in the business world today yeah, yeah. we really need um people that have been there and done that and then have have actually managed businesses for a long time mm -hmm. and own businesses as well so there are different personalities um working side by side on a team. Well, not literally side by side anymore, thanks to you know quarantine and all this new post COVID workforce. But the fact is there are different personalities. Everyone is bringing their own filter of what their training is, their own characteristics, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, so even on a good day, um, there are some issues, right? And so by talking about mental health so openly in these, uh, you know, corporate America type experiences, you're able to, to bring it out, right? And make it, um, I hate to say it, but you're, you're, you're making it cool. You're making it 
okay to talk about something that really we should be talking about more often. 100%. I mean, if really only these corporate leaders knew how, if they open the door to these conversations, how much these employees would appreciate them. It, there's so many little things that people can do. There's, there's just saying, thank you. We appreciate you. But I think especially now there is um, a huge need because I'm hearing it from everybody about how there's, a, there's just a ton of toxicity and abuse going on. This is not the time for that. This is a time for kindness, Lisette, my friend. Just like, you know, you are a, a ray of light in our Tampa Bay community. And we need more people like you that are willing to to have these conversations and talk about it because it is, it's not going away. This is a, you know, the, the pandemic of, of illness and the mental health pandemic is, is knocking on the door and ready um, and waiting. I would disagree. I don't think it's knocking. I think it's already burst in and uh, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, so we are going to uh, make it really easy and give you an ex no excuses when you're watching this, if you want to get in touch with Sharon, invite her to come to your corporate, um, to your company, speak to your team. Maybe it's a it's a it's an organization that you're involved with. Um, you know, you can contact Sharon via Facebook. Um, also, the Broken Road to Mental Health Facebook. It, you, have, you have your information there as well. Um, on Thursday, September the 10th, on World Suicide Prevention Day. We are going to be having that Zoom event from 5.30 to 7 p.m. It's free, uh, free and priceless, right? That's right. <laughs> Great information. And so I know, Sharon, that, that you end every, um, every opportunity by giving folks the suicide prevention hotline. Uh, yes. You know, it's 211 in Hillsborough County, but outside of Hillsborough County, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is one 800 273-8255. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you're watching uh, the Dr. Whisperer podcast within Hillsborough County, you just have to dial 211 and you'll connect with the crisis center. How did I do on my takeover, Miss Sharon? I love that you did the takeover. <laughs> you, I didn't want you to take over every one of my interviews going forward. <laughs> Thank you really so much. I appreciate any opportunity to be able to talk about mental health, addiction, alcoholism. We are all in this together and there is not a person out there in the world that hasn't been affected by something. So let's keep talking about it with Seth. Thank you for having this very courageous conversation. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, my friend. Ciao. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E, technology. Check them out.